Behind the Green Door by Mildred A. Wirt Benson. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Cheryl Adam, Skowhegan, Maine, 2015. Chapter 13 An Unkind Trick. Penny all but executed a clog dance in the snow. She knew that she had picked up an admittance ticket to the green room of the Fergus Hotel, which some person had lost. With no effort upon her part, she would be able to learn the answers to many of the questions which had plagued her. At last, I'll find out what lies behind that green door, she thought in high elation. If this isn't the most wonderful piece of luck... Debating a moment, Penny decided that it would probably be too late to gain admittance that evening. Mrs. Downey no doubt was worried over her long absence from the lodge. She would return there and then revisit the hotel early the next day. Pocketing the precious ticket, Penny set off up the mountain. It was dark before she had covered half the distance, but there were stars and a half-moon to guide her. Mrs. Downey showed her relief as the girl stomped into the kitchen. "'I was beginning to worry, Penny,' she declared. "'Whatever made it take you so long?' I stopped at the Fergus Hotel and had dinner with Miss Miller. Were you able to get the newspapers? Only the one which I had to buy at the Fergus Hotel. Mrs. Downey, it's queer about those papers. Benny Smith told me there weren't any to be had, and then a few minutes later, I met the airplane pilot who told me he brought them in the same way as usual. Also, the Fergus Hotel received its usual quota. Well, that's odd. It looks to me as if the Fergus outfit has made some arrangement with the paper boy. They may be buying up all the newspapers. As a means of annoying me, nodded Mrs. Downey grimly. It would be in line with their tactics. But what can I do? I don't know, admitted Penny. She pulled off her heavy boots and set them where they would dry. We haven't any proof they're doing anything like that. It's only my idea. The door opened and Jake came into the kitchen. He dropped an armload of wood behind the range. I started work on the bobsled run this afternoon, he remarked to Mrs. Downey. Got a crew of boys coming first thing tomorrow. We ought to have her fixed up by noon. And the sleds? They seem to be in good condition, but I'll check everything. After the workmen had gone, Penny glanced questioningly at Mrs. Downey. Have you decided to use the run after all? Yes, I started thinking about it after we talked together. We do need more entertainment here at the lodge. After you left, I ordered Jake to start work on the track. But I'm still in need of experienced drivers for the sled. You spoke of Sarah. I thought I would ask her, but I doubt if her grandfather will give his consent. I'll ski down there tomorrow and talk with her if you'd like me to, offered Penny. I would appreciate it said Mrs. Downey gratefully. I hate to spare the time myself. Early the next morning, Penny paid a visit to the bobsled run where a crew headed by Jake was hard at work. There was a stretch of straightaway and a series of curves which snaked down the valley between the pines. At the point of the steepest curve, the outer snow walls rose to a height of 18 feet. The sled would really travel on that track, observed Penny. Does it hurt to upset? It might, grinned Jake. 
We've never had an upset on Horseshoe Curve. If a sled went over there, you might wake up in the hospital. Penny watched the men packing snow for a while. Then buckling on her skis, she made a fast trip down the mountain to the Jasco cabin. This time, having a definite mission, she went boldly to the door and rapped. There was no response until the window of the loft shot up. Hello, Penny, called down Sarah. I thought you'd forgotten your promise. The key's in the same place. Isn't your grandfather here? No, he went to Pine Top. Isn't it glorious skiing weather? Hurry and get the key. I've been cooped up here half an hour already. Penny went reluctantly to the woodshed and returned with the key. She unfastened the trap door, which gave entrance to the loft, and Sarah quickly descended. Didn't your grandfather say anything about last time? Penny inquired anxiously. Oh, he raved because someone had trespassed, but it never occurred to him that I had gone away. Where shall we ski today? I only stopped to deliver a message, Sarah. I'm on my way down to the Fergus Hotel. Oh, said the girl in disappointment. A message from whom? Mrs. Downey. She's starting up her bobsled run again, and she wants you to help out. Sarah's eyes began to sparkle. I wish I could. If only Grandfather weren't so strict. Is there a chance he'll give his consent? Oh, dear, no, but I might be able to slip away. Grandfather plans to chop wood every day this week. I doubt if Mrs. Downey would want you to do that. Need you tell her? queried Sarah coolly. I'll fix myself a rope ladder and get out the window. That will save you the trouble of coming here to let me in and out. And what will your grandfather say if he learns about it? Plenty. But anything is better than being shut up like a prisoner. You tell Mrs. Downey I'll try to get up to the lodge tomorrow morning, and we'll try out the track together, eh, Penny? I don't know anything about bobsledding. I'll teach you to be my brake boy, Sarah laughed. How long will you stay at the Fergus Hotel? I haven't any idea. Then I suppose I'll have to crawl back into my cave, Sarah sighed dismally. Can't you even ski with me for half an hour? Not this morning, Penny said firmly. I have important work ahead. She shooed Sarah back into the loft and returned the key to the woodshed. The Jasco girl watched from the window, playfully shaking her fist as her friend skied away. Sarah is as stimulating as a mountain avalanche, chuckled Penny. But she's almost too headstrong. Sooner or later, her stunts will involve me in trouble with Peter Jasko. In the valley below, smoke curled lazily from the chimneys of the Fergus Hotel. Making directly for it, Penny felt in her pocket to be certain she had not lost the green ticket, which she had found the previous evening. This is going to be my lucky day, she told herself cheerfully. I feel it in my bones. Reaching the hotel, Penny stripped off her skis and entered the hotel lobby. Maxine Miller was not in evidence, nor did she see any other person who likely would question her presence there. She did notice Harvey Maxwell sitting in the private office. His eyes were upon her as she crossed the room. However, Penny felt no uneasiness, realizing that if he noticed her at all, he recognized her only as a guest at the Downey Lodge. Second floor, she said quietly to the elevator boy. Penny was the sole passenger, but as she stepped from the cage, she was dismayed to run directly into Francine Selberg. The reporter greeted her with a suspicious stare. 
Why, hello, Penny Parker. What are you doing here? Oh, just moseying around. I can see you are. Your room isn't on this floor, is it? Penny inquired. No, on the fourth, Francine answered before she considered her words. Looking for someone, remarked Penny with a grin. Or should I say something? An elevator stopped at the landing. Going down, the attendant called, opening the door. He gazed questioningly at the two girls. Francine shook her head, although she had been waiting for an elevator. Turning again to Penny, she said with a hard smile, I've not only been looking for something, I've found it. Still, I don't see you rushing to reach a telephone, Francine. Your discovery can't have such tremendous news value. It may have before long, hinted Francine. I don't mind telling you, I am on the trail of a really big story. And I am making steady progress in assembling my facts. Penny regarded the girl reporter speculatively. Her presence on the second floor rather suggested that she too had been trying to investigate the green room and more than likely had learned its location. But she was reasonably certain Francine had gathered no information of great value. Glad to hear you're doing so well, she remarked and started on down the hall. Francine fell into step with her. If you're looking for a particular room, Penny, maybe I can help you. Penny knew that the reporter meant to stay with her so that she could do no investigation work of her own. The room I'm searching for has a green door, she replied. Francine laughed. I'm glad you're so honest, Penny. I guessed why you were on this floor all the time. However, I greatly fear you're in the wrong part of the hotel. Penny paused and turned to face her companion squarely. Why not put an end to all this nonsense, Francine? We watch each other and get nowhere. Let's put our cards on the table. Yours might be a joker. We're both interested in getting a story which will discredit Harvey Maxwell, Penny went on, ignoring the jibe. You've had a tip as to what might be going on here while I'm working in the dark. On the other hand, I've acquired something which should interest you. Why don't we pool our interests and work together? That would be very nice. For you? I think I might contribute something to the case. I doubt it, replied Francine loftily. You don't even know the location of the green room. You're wrong about that. It took no great detective power to learn it's on this floor. To get inside may be a different matter. You're quite right there, said Francine with emphasis. What do you say? Shall we work together and let bygones be bygones? Thank you, Penny, but I prefer to work alone. Suit yourself, Francine. I was only trying to be generous. You see, I have an admittance card to the green room. I don't believe it. Flashing a gay smile, Penny held up the ticket for Francine to see. How did you get it? The reporter gasped. I've tried... A little bird dropped it on my window sill. Too bad you didn't decide to work with me. Penny walked on down the corridor, and Francine made no attempt to follow. When she glanced back over her shoulder, the reporter had descended the stairway to the lobby. It was boastful of me to show her my ticket, she thought, but I couldn't resist doing it. Francine is so conceited. Making her way to the unmarked door of the wing, Penny paused there a moment, listening. Hearing no sound, she pushed open the door and went down the narrow hall. The guard sat at his usual post before the green door. 
morning, Penny said pleasantly. I have my card now. The man examined it and handed it back. Go right in, he told her. But before Penny could obey, the door at the end of the corridor swung open. Harvey Maxwell, his face convulsed with rage, came hurrying toward the startled girl. I've, I've just learned who you are, he said angrily. Kindly leave this hotel at once and don't come back. End of chapter 13